India is a country filled with stereotypes against menstruation. Women on their periods are yet not allowed in places of worship. It is the sad truth. But there are people who are creating an impact and questioning all of these prejudices. Paddling is a non-profit organization and a menstrual hygiene initiative based out of Mumbai. I speak to Saloni Butra, the co-founder of Paddling, about period poverty, body-related dysmorphia, and the hate we get for acknowledging menstruation as a natural human process. If you're already following us on Instagram, we put an introduction reel where we spoke about myths and facts related to periods. We cover points like women can get pregnant while being on their periods and not only women menstruate, to which we received a lot of controversy saying that how do you expect a man to menstruate without a uterus? We did provide the necessary explanation for all the questions that were raised, but that just shows us how much we as a country need to educate our future generation and the prevailing generation. So please make sure you can have a mature conversation with your family and friends and educate people around you. That's the least you can do. Until then, enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Story Truck. Today we have Saloni, one of the founders of Paddling. I'm so excited for today's episode. Thank you so much, Saloni, for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, Azmin, and thank you so much for hosting us. We are really honored to be here, to be honest. Thank you, likewise. I just wanted to know that you've grown up in Bhutan. I wanted to know how it's like and how it's different from Bombay or India for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in Bhutan, real life thrives, like to be very honest, because the Buddhist values and the unmaterialistic nature that people live with, mm-hmm. I think it's very different and it's quite peaceful to be there. I, I can totally relate to it because <laughs> over here, everybody talks about Bombay and the hustle and all of that. But then at some point of time, like, you know, you just want that peace. I mean, you can get it from your face only that you seem less stressed <laughs> than me, which is like filled with dark circles <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and like growing up, um, we spoke and you said that you were influenced a lot by sports. So could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I played a lot of sports in my school days, especially even in college I played. Mm-hmm. So I used to play basketball. I played state level and I even played CBSE nationals in volleyball. If you ask me one thing that, you know, textbook didn't teach me, but sports taught me was that losing is better at times. Like, you know, when you lose, you understand games better. Like, right. And that you can even apply in real life. Like, you know, when you lose at times in life, you understand it better. 100%. So that's something sports yeah. really like taught me. That sports mentality, I think. And that's why it must have played like a very key role in you being one of the founders of this organization Definitely. as well. 100%. Yes, so yes. how did the concept of paddling come into being? Yeah. So initially, Deepika Daga, so she's also one of the founders. So she had come up to me with the plan. Like she told me everything about what she had planned. So it was her idea that we can start something like this. And at that time, it was very raw. Like the plan was very raw. So we had to sit down and we had to think of execution. Like, okay, now we have a plan. But how do we execute this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where I came into play. And then we got together and then we took this ahead. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So could you take us through like over the top only what what was under yeah, the yeah. execution part of it? So somebody, if somebody is watching or listening to this right hmm. now and they have the same idea to start an organization, but something like a guidebook or something that you can share. Yeah. So mostly what happens is like when you have a plan at that time, you just see next step, like you forget to see the things 
ahead of you so what we also did was like you know when we we thought of a plan we thought it's so easy to eradicate period poverty that we forgot the population of the country we forgot that you know to even fund one small district in india it's difficult because right. it has a population in lakhs right so when we had and you know a lot of times i think assumptions make make us fail in situations like we assume that rural areas are uneducated we assume mm-hmm. the urban areas know everything about periods but that is not true like you know when we went to borivli when we went to the houses there everyone knew what pad was so the fact that we assumed that they will right. not know pad and they you know so it's kind of like you know you have to go with an attitude that you don't know what's going to happen you have to ask right. you can't assume that you know everyone mm-hmm. in urban areas know so like that's something that we learned that you know if anyone starting an ngo don't assume things of course there has to be some assumption but not to a point that you make a decision based of your right. as- assumption 100% so yeah we started by going to small small districts in mumbai itself mm-hmm. uh, we thought like first we had named it paddling india but we realized that maybe we should start with one place in specific right. like so that you know slowly we can move ahead right. so we started with mumbai wrote down all the places that require help made a team on ground team that you know would go to these places do research ask how many people need pads then based on that we would like raise funds and then you know go and distribute the pads and then once we feel like okay we have enough funding for the next campaign we would change the location from mumbai to maybe something else even pune beyond pune so right. that's how we like generally slowly, go slowly right but how did you yeah. raise funding like i'd like to know yeah so in the start honestly it was very difficult to raise funds because you know um most of them don't, don't believe in you in the start because you have nothing your page right. is just set up you have 100 200 followers and people might not believe in you at that point so at that point i think most of the times we used to raise funds by word of mouth where you ask your friends friends will donate regardless so a bit of donations from friends and a bit of fundraising programs that we would do in colleges and all so we earned like 3000 and all that which is not sufficient but a good start maybe right starting somewhere yeah. like i can yeah exactly agree. and uh, other than that any other immediate problems that you all faced as starting out as an organization NGOs. yeah yeah so like i think most of them feel like ngos face the problem of funding which everyone even we faced but i think for me personally i'm answering this question i fa- i face the problem like you know building trust with others so when you go to a village and when you are a totally new person going entering someone else's village you have to have you know the body language is so important how you're entering and you know because sometimes unintentionally you are being condescending unintentionally right. you know you are threatening them by coming to their space so it's like you cannot you cannot knock someone's door and be like hi i've come here to educate you that can't be your approach right like right. why will i open the door and be like okay come now so i think that's something you know to learn the process of how to like go comfortably and be mm. kind and like make people understand we are here for them and not you know to get something from them so yeah. like that's something i took a, a bit of time to understand how to go about it because there are already so many preconceived pre-conce- misconceptions you know uh, exactly so all the more you like going and i 100% agree that and it's so good to see that you worked on yourself for the organization <laughs> so that's amazing so tell us Thank a you. little bit about your gaina camp in bengal like what was your experience with the people over there yeah so um i remember we had set up a camp for i think 100 plus women in bengal so uh, we went to each houses i think that was like one of the most proud moments for me in my life because a lot of on ground work was required for that okay. so like going to a village uh, not village exactly district called jalpaiguri so we went to individual houses to call people out so i think around 3 4 hours was just entering each house and telling people why they should check go to the gynec camp mm-hmm. and convincing them that you know like kind of telling them that a doctor has come Right. you know because it's hard to explain people a gynec has come so you tell them a doctor has come to check you so after all that you know we convince people to come and then we had a like survey form where we had questions like when was the last time you checked with a gynec how, what are your like you know days of periods like how many days do you get your periods Menstrual so for example some yeah. yeah so if it's below 2 also it sometimes sometimes can be problematic so not mm-hmm. everybody 
has right. to have a concern right after that so that way we we sorted those fi- like files you know like mm-hmm. the ones who had an issue the ones who did not have an issue so after sorting everything we went to the gynec we gave all the forms to the gynec and they checked everyone for free and the major observation was i think not even one women from the village had checked the gynec before in their lifetime oh my god but so, were they aware of yeah. sanitary pads and the concept of menstrual hygiene yeah yeah okay I don't think hygiene was something they were completely aware of. Of course, mm-hmm. they were aware of menstruation and why you get it. Right. But uh, when it comes to hygiene, like we had to make them understand, like you know, you have to change your pad time to time, mm-hmm. and um, we had to introduce them to the concept of cups. And you know how it could be a good investment for them right. if they buy a cup. Right. That's there. But at the same time, you know, some women didn't get their periods for three to four months, and they thought that it was normal to not get periods for three to oh. four months. So these things were a little um, disturbing to know, like you know, that people don't have access and the lack of health sanitation and all. Yeah. But yeah. No, but that's a very good initiative on your part. <laughs> I mean, not a lot of people like we preach about it, but very few people actually get to executing it. But you all have done, which is like really great. Okay, so tell us about your encounter with Akshay Kumar and the okay. radio mirchi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I had written a pitch, like you know, like whatever pitch we had, just framed a little bit better, and then um, I had requested radio mirchi if I could go up to Akshay Kumar and you know, like speak to him whenever he comes for a shoot. and they were kind enough like you know once they went through the pitch they liked the idea and they were like okay you can come so i, I think early morning 5 o'clock i had to reach that's when i understood wow. how akshay kumar is very disciplined <laughs> as a person and yeah i remember i was in the room where he was there literally and only three four people were there and it was very intimidating you know like and it's also surprising that i was in front of him like i couldn't believe i was right in front of him and then i discussed the idea and i told him like you know we could get some funding and all and he said that because of the movie padman he did a lot of funding for a lot of ngos and there are a lot of ngos under him who's whom he's helping so he couldn't fund us but he said he could help us with shout outs so he gave us a proper shout out like you know which helped us a lot honestly so wow. yeah But what do you think of him as an actor? Because I've heard a lot of positive yeah. talk around him as compared to every other person in Bollywood. Um, I think like from the short interaction that I have, I like I think I had an interaction of fifteen twenty minutes with him, mm-hmm. and from that I felt like he's a very disciplined person overall, yeah. and um, someone who forgets his lines also. Like you know, like I remember <laughs> he would be like, I forgot my line. Can I get the script back? Like you know, so that way in terms of acting, you forget. But at the same uh-huh. time, when he's acting. You won't realize that he needed the script like two minutes back. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, so okay, since we were talking about media, how do you think menstruation has been depicted in media throughout uh, years, and has there been a change? If yes, how? Okay, um, I think in terms of like media, there has been a change because I feel like uh, nowadays media they when they show like uh, the people in the ad, I think the body language is quite confident and there's no shyness attached to it. but um at the same time i feel like pad companies like whisper still have the name whisper yeah so like i think it's high time it's they they, they change, change the name from whisper <laughs> yeah so something that should change and also like most of the pad companies still show blue blood so like you don't bleed right. blue right you don't bleed uh, right. blue so you should show the actual blood mm-hmm. and but when you're talking about change there was one more company i think um, where radhika apte was a part of the ad as much as a recall a rio patch or something mm-hmm. so they had shown shown actual blood color in the okay. advertisement i think they were the first company in india to show actual blood color wow. and they faced a lot of criticism from the public that it's That's... disturbing that you're showing actual mm-hmm. blood but i liked the fact that they didn't take it down regardless because most of the companies they take it down when something like this gets yeah. criticized but they had stuck you know with that ad and i think that's one of the beautiful ads i've seen till now for period yeah. advertisements no i think it takes a lot of courage to put content out there like this is yeah. just like a random question but if you had to direct your own menstrual ad what would you do how would you go about it 
um i think the key factors that i would keep in my mind if i had to do something was i will make sure that menstruators are not jumping from one mountain to another <laughs> or like you know dancing with the gowns because that is not realistic you know exactly. representation yeah so um in my advertisement i would make sure that there's reality shown that is you know in my like when i get periods i get a lot of cramps okay so like when i'm on my periods either you'll see me puking or holding my stomach and sitting somewhere in the corner of the room oh or God. i'm just like putting hot water like hot water bag and just sleeping throughout so and that is how most of us experience like menstruation mm-hmm. and even the ones who don't experience uh, like high level like period cramps i don't see them so happy about their periods like you know right. most of the crowd so that is something that i would change like jumping Yeah. and i would show the blood the way it's supposed to be shown if it's red it has to be shown as red right and you know uh, like i think a lot of companies use period euphemisms you know like they'll talk time of time of the month or like that time of the month or mm-hmm. like you know they don't use the word periods right so like oh aap, and they use the sh- like you know oh aapko ye hua hai then like you know like mm-hmm. those words have to be you have Very to use the word, like, oh, using periods. another phrase yeah. yeah 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 so these things i would definitely change like you know use the actual um, word and yeah. maybe also talk about the environment aspects of it like you know like how the, this product can be eco friendly how you know shifting to this is actually good for the environment right. so yeah so since you spoke about that could you speak about yeah. environment friendly uh, menstruation products options yeah. definitely so um, uh, i think that's two mainly that is um, one is cloth pad and one is menstrual cup Right. So menstrual cup is the most um, advisable by all of the experts. That's mm-hmm. because you know, like um, it's easy to like once you wear it, it also helps you reduce your cramps. So like oh. it might be subjective again okay. because sometimes it might not work for someone because their body is not supporting it. But yeah, it's good that way and it supports. Like it's also eco friendly because like you know, four years of right. waste are reducing definitely. And also you know, it reduces the waste also, regardless of plastic or not. When you create mm-hmm. the waste, so it reduces the waste. The cumulative waste, yes. Yeah. So that way, cup is good, and then. sometimes you no know, people can't use cups because there's a thing called vaginismus mm-hmm. so in that condition what happens is if this is my vagina some mm-hmm. people's vagina they can't like you know they 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 shut down it's okay. like a natural thing right so every time you try to insert something it'll shut down oh okay. so this makes it difficult for them mm-hmm. to have sex or to insert anything right so what happens it for them you know you can't shame them like why aren't you using a cup because they can't use a cup it's not possible yeah. for them it's a natural so for right. yeah hmm. but uh, for them i think cloth pad would be advisable right. so yeah Okay, now coming to the whole education system. So for me, yeah, uh, officially we were taught about menstruation when I was in the ninth standard, and we studied yeah. the whole uh, menstruation cycle and shedding of the uterine wall and all of that in our biology class. But before yeah. that, there was no mention as such. And even in class, it used to be like, um, okay, you know, the girl gets her period. She's putting her head down all day. and like you know everyone's asking kya hua usko kya hua and then they're like no yeah. you know, the girls will suffer and say no she's you know she's not <laughs> feeling well and then later on even the boys come to know or maybe they know before but i want to they know pretend. how yeah you never know yeah <laughs> <I don't> know <laughs> yeah. how educators themselves can incorporate it at an earlier age yeah um i think you know like most of the times we are taught sex education not all the school some schools teach but they remove the period education part of it mm-hmm. like you know like sex education is very basic like they touch very basic topics which good we might not even need enough that's it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was not everyone's lucky to know yeah not everyone's <laughs> lucky enough to even know that know. honestly right. so um so that way i think when you talk about sex education it shouldn't just start at the age of 10 11 12 sorry at the classes 10 11 12 it should be started at a basic age like like at least class 5 or 6 because people do get periods from 5 6 right class 5 so 
it should be like a gender neutral subject it should be something that should be taught only to women or girls mm-hmm. or like you know just one population because it's not just a girls thing or a women's issue and um, talking about that like i think it's the right time to even mention that not only girls menstruate so mm-hmm. it's very important that you know education is given to everyone regardless of the gender mm-hmm. and other than that maybe um making people realize that it's a biological process so like you know every time someone talks about it as shameful thing you have to rephrase it by telling there's a biological person there's nothing to be shameful about yeah so i think um just in- incorporating in our education system at an early stage mm-hmm. will make it you know like because when you're taught from an early stage it's nothing unusual for you but yeah. when you're suddenly told in class 10 that you know oh there's something on sex you're like oh my god now you think like something unusual has come up yeah, yeah. but when as a kid you're taught something like this then you're like okay you're familiar with it and you don't crack jokes like even 100%. us for like i don't know if you faced it but when we had biology classes we would you know shy when we would have reproductive chapter coming up yeah, yeah. and when you think about it is just so funny like why were we like you know giggling <laughs> it is, about it it is hilarious actually yeah. i mean no uh, yeah. like uh, the teacher like obviously it didn't happen in our school but we've heard of instances where the teacher themselves used to shy away and not speak openly yeah. and try and delay that chapter why i mean or use different words yeah 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 like yeah, wala problem <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> even when i used to like get my periods and if i had to like miss any class out like so girls problem and they would understand they're like okay okay sit down yeah 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 i think so, yeah. now like it's become a code word if you just like hold your stomach or like you know just yeah, if yeah. the girl says that her stomach is paining it's known <laughs> that okay this is like the period code word <laughs> smuggling pads like it's this drug like you know the oh way you take pads God, to the washroom i know and it is like and <clears throat> like i remember we used to put a sign actions are like do you have <laughs> do you have it <laughs> then from i remember from Behind to ahead, tuck, 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 tuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, but since we were speaking about you know conditioning from a from an early age, <clears throat> what even I've observed is, uh, and we've all observed is that women menstruating women are not allowed in temples, and I just like to know why. What is your opinion? Because we conducted an Instagram poll, and a mm-hmm. lot of responses came in regarding the vibration. and that part of it so what do you think and what would you like to say about it again i just like give a disclaimer this is my opinion so i don't know if it's right or wrong but 100%. this is what i believe um i think when i talk about the vibrations part of it it's not like you know it doesn't have any evidence yet like you know that's the actual reason and without evidence like it's not like actually science also it's a kind of pseudo science to believe that and at the same time what i personally believe is since the start it has been ingrained in us that it's something shameful it's something impure mm-hmm. and you know temples are always like a oh, holy place pure mm-hmm. So when it comes to these two things, you can't put it together according to people because you feel like how can a holy place have something that's impure? Right. And there's no such thing as vibrations, you know, because um, they say that you know, like the logic behind vibration is that it's built in such a high this thing that mm-hmm. if a menstruating woman enters, it's it, you know, it's like opposite, like because you're like you know, emitting some other form of energy. Mm-hmm. But it's not true because so many times people do enter temples and nothing happens. So I personally feel like women should be allowed to enter the temple even when they're on the periods. Right. So yeah. and i think now social media with its campaigns like you know the red dot campaign yeah. like with all of that awareness is increasing so what has been your observation like y'all like paddling as an organization if y'all have conducted it what have y'all observed okay so uh, even we have done the red dot campaign and like i think honestly if i speak from our audience's side we feel like a lot of our audience supports us that's why i think they're following us but whenever it comes to anything that if we touch any topic like temple mm-hmm. then it's like it the starts the controversy very, starts right, right, yeah right. and people go to an extent where they are ready to even report and block and restrict and like you know shame us and like in the end it comes to shaming women like you know like right. oh they start shaming us and they start going to our character mm. um i remember there was a reel we had made where we spoke about how navratri may women are respected but other than 
the navratri days women right. are respected in india mm-hmm. and that triggered so many men of india like you know where they started targeting the girl who was in the reel like oh you know they like yeah they went personal so like you know that's when you realize that it's not about the cause that they are bothered it's just you know patriarchy in the end right so yeah 100% no we put out a reel and uh, the and yeah. the real one we were talking about myths and facts related to menstruation hmm. and one was like uh, not only women don't menstruate so yeah. people in the comment section were going like how do you expect a man without a uterus me- yeah and uh, like you know so the whole team was trying and putting our message forth and making them understand But yeah, yeah, it was just leading to back and forth of just completely. It's very draining nonsense. in the end. Yeah, generally, <laughs> as you said, it all boils down to the patriarchy and yeah, like you know, and then in the end, it's always shaming yeah, women, like right, yeah. right, judging the character hundred percent. Definitely. So, I just wanted to know, um, what are your future goals of paddling? Okay, I think we have a lot of things in mind, like when it comes mm-hmm. to. what we want to see mm-hmm. but i think we would start with sanitation like you know school yeah. sanitation project that is like i think most of the schools like uh, don't have like proper sanitation i'm talking even about big schools like oh, you will see clean yeah. washrooms but you won't see like a pad vending machine in right. the washroom or you know you won't see the proper disposal ways of pad like you know you can't throw a pad in the same dustbin because it's exactly. plastic so like a different dustbin for that so uh, we would start with villages mainly so that, you know if the sanitation is better there at least the dropout of girls from the villages will be less yeah so we want to reduce that something that we really look forward mm-hmm. um second is education so we have already started like we have started a course called chandrapali so in that course we give like seven month in you know intensive training program for like menstrual education and it's for free wow so like we, accessible yeah so it's to like a large audience. yeah so it's like this time 26 people were selected for the program and out of 26 people they have to give proper exams and everything to like you know wow. uh, finish seven months right. and after that they were made to conduct workshops each mm-hmm. person got a chance to conduct one one workshop each mm-hmm. and in every workshop there were around like 70 to 100 people attending it so you know when you teach 26 people a course it goes on to reach 10000 people in the end because everyone's conducting a workshop with 100 right. people in it it's so kind that of like way, a domino effect like you know yeah. one that's beautiful that's definitely lovely. so yeah education and distribution is like our primary thing like you know like where we go and distribute pads to people who need it and underprivileged areas of india and making pe- people aware of eco friendly options mm-hmm. and like you know and keeping in like paddling is fully shifted towards sustainable option we only distribute sustainable pads wow. so we are uh, yeah so we give fab pads uh, cloth pads to all mm-hmm. the people so it's like um they they can use it for at least 3 to 4 years and it costs only around 300 rupees so it's quite accessible if you think in the future perspective uh-huh. and uh, you know this is like our goal but we haven't started working yet but like you know menstrual shops so basically like you know in remote areas there are women who would want to work so we'd like enable them to empower themselves by oh, you know wow. sitting in those shops and right. selling employment yeah. as well yeah that's kind beautiful. of yeah so these are like some of the things that we have planned okay that's amazing and other than yeah. that i just wanted to touch upon pcos because it's a rising yeah um disorder that you're seeing in a lot of females young females and the age at which people are getting it is shocking now i mean younger girls also so what has been your observation towards disorders like pcos yeah. um you know in a country like india where menstru- menstruation itself is a taboo i think like menstrual disorders mm. you can only understand how big of a taboo that oh might be God. yeah So, like, I think the, I think this is the right statistics. I'm not sure yet, but mm-hmm. one out of every three person gets PCOS or has is diagnosed with PCOS in India. So, um, yeah. So what happens is, like, my own observation that most of them don't even know that they're di- they, like they have right. PCOS because they are not told that you know not having PCOS for so long is something you should be checking your gynec with, mm-hmm. right? And also because of lack of you know medical attention and um, care and acceptance, right. it's not their fault either. Like, you mm-hmm. know, not everyone can afford to go to one. 
so that way most of them are not even diagnosed yet right. i i can even share a personal example like my one cousin of course i'm not going to name that person but my one cousin she also uh, didn't know like you know that not getting periods for so long is a proper you know something that you need to you be need concerned to about right. yeah. yeah so when i told her that you know i think you should go to one like and you have to mm-hmm. check and when she checked she got to know she had pcos oh my god so you know like it's not even like like i told you people assume only rural areas even mm-hmm. in urban areas people are not aware yet so um so that's why you know like i think because of lack of awareness on topics like these right. people are not diagnosed also even though they have they're not diagnosed yet right right so yeah right. and i think to combat it it's like a healthy balanced lifestyle that you need to incorporate i mean uh, definitely i have friends who have it and you know they have to exercise regularly you can't take all that and even for your mm. general menstrual cycle for a healthy cycle it's good to you know always keep physically active so i think that you know if i don't know if you have experience but there's a lot of shaming also like you know people always attach that weight like you know pcos doesn't equal to weight loss like you know people yeah. think that you have to lose weight but it's not that easy like you know telling someone you have to lose weight that's not how hormones work that's not no, how it works for everyone exactly. so there's a lot of pcos shaming also like you know so yeah. yeah no that really needs to be spoken about and i think that also needs to be involved in the education system we should be exactly. talking about it <laughs> in our textbooks rather than on social media pages um also same goes with period related body dysmorphia so can you speak a little bit about that yeah um i think um like you know two to three weeks early or maybe two weeks early like you get anxiety like you know right. that is one kind of body dysmorphia like mm-hmm. or like you know feeling a bit different or like not comfortable about yourself yeah. so it's very subjective but it's a real thing like it's not right. something that you know you can dismiss it's some yeah, yeah. I don't want to touch the health aspects of it, but yeah. No, not at all. No, but hundred yeah. percent. We just want to keep this message forth that it's completely normal to experience these yeah. things. And if you feel it is like at a certain extent where it's not normal according to you, then please go get it checked. It's early detection Definitely. can always help you hundred percent. Okay, so now we have like this quick uh, rapid fire session <laughs> where I'll be okay. speaking a myth, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you can go ahead and correct me with the fact. Cool. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. So, okay, give me one minute. Yeah, okay. So the first one, menstruating women aren't allowed to do housework because they are impure. No, so initially, what used to happen is like you know, uh, women didn't have a lot of products. Okay, like like right now we have pad and right. cups and everything. But since they didn't have all this, so they didn't know how to manage their periods. Mm-hmm. So they were expected to rest. That is why they were expected not to go to the kitchen. So it's. Of course, I'm it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Second one. Women in periods are supposed to stay in a separate room. No, it's just the isolation that comes in periods is just stemming from the part you know where you assume that women are impure or you know like uh, they are discriminated because they are considered as not you know pure or like right. yeah. So that's why they are made to sit separate. But there's no reason behind, no logical reason behind making them sit separate. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Third one. Menstruating women are not allowed to have a hair bath for four days. Okay. Yeah. So the thing is, generally, initially, what used to happen was women used to take bath in river and all, right? right? So out there, you know, like they felt uncomfortable taking bath when they are bleeding, you know, in the river. So okay. that is the reason. But there's no reason why you shouldn't wash your hair or wash, take totally a bath. Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You should actually take hot showers. You should. It is so relaxing. Yeah. You should therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Fourth one. During periods, women's bodies uh, excrete that blood, and that smell spoils food items. There's no scientific evidence for it, so like it's just something that people think, but there's no re- like there's no correlation. Exactly. Yeah. And the yeah. last one is a very striking one, but uh, inserting menstrual cups makes you lose your virginity. 
okay firstly virginity is a social construct and there's no such thing as you know breaking your virginity even like a guy can't take your virginity if people think that's taking virginity exactly. and sometimes people can break their hymen even at an early age like you know right. where you just play too much sports you know it's like doing a lot of exercise or like yeah. horse riding exactly. so um yeah so this is so it's like a myth, myth. No, yeah but... yeah <laughs> I enjoyed this whole session. Thank you so much, Salome. <laughs> Thank Any you. Concluding thoughts, if you'd like to share with the audience anything on paddling side. Yeah. Um. I just would like to say that you know, if like for this is for the parents. If if there's anyone who's watching from their side, if your kids come up to you and ask questions to you, please use that as an opportunity. You know, to educate them and make them feel like that it's safe for them to come up and ask you questions. Right. like these and make them feel like it's a comfortable place for them to talk about it yeah. because only when they are aware about these things it becomes like a global issue and not just a girls thing so that's something i would like to tell the adults here and to the young people especially men it's not just a women's issue again so like try to speak about it like everybody's role is important in this because when we are talking about periods and when you're talking about stigmas associated people think it's only mental stigmas but these stigmas they affect women physically right in places they are isolated to a hut that is separate from the houses mm. and there are instances that people have died oh in those God. houses because of no facilities of electricity there are insect bites and all in those areas no water facilities so only when you make it like a thing that's a normal biological process which it is only then you know these women will get proper rights and like you know so i think we all need to come together and fight Right. Because this taboo won't end itself. You have to talk about it. So yeah. No, that was beautifully said, and I hope everybody <laughs> follows that. But thank you so much for coming, Saloni. I thank you so much, Asmin, once again for hosting us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. For watching short, bite-sized videos of this podcast, follow us on Instagram. We engage with our audience and give everyone a chance to share their experiences. in the form of interactive polls and a lot more fun activities happen over there also give us feedback and let us know how you like the episode by sending us a dm on the link attached below or send in a mail at the storytruck@gmail.com until next time keep inspiring mm-hmm.